the thing that gets me about RoboCop is that it's got that lovely ending where it's like, oh, is, is he still himself or is he a robotic cop now? And he does the thing that he always used to do to impress his son where he twirls his gun and sticks it back in his holster and his son's like, oh, yeah, it's still my dad. Only it's not. Like Alex Murphy, the cop who becomes RoboCop, straight up dies, but while his heart's still beating, they put an AI in his head that can access his former memories. It's not his dad. It's a computer that has plundered his dad's memories and mannerisms. But if it's a good enough impression, does it matter? No, not at all. Like, if you replace my dad with just a very accurate dad simulation... I'd probably be all right with that. There you go. And that's the, <laughs> that is the true warmth of the heart of the Robocop mythos. To the Electronic Wireless Show, episode 149, the best robots in game special. And I'm sure in a minute we're going to have a large debate about whether Robocop actually counts as a robot. Um, this is Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion, because we mostly talk about not games, as one commenter complained recently. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, also, as a side note, thank you to everyone who offered their support after I revealed last week that someone also commented that I ruined the podcast. <laughs> uh, everyone in the Discord was very nice. And I, of course, am Alice Bell. And I'm joined this week by, hang on, I've got to read this out pro- properly. N4T3-CR0WLE7. <laughs> Hello, would you like to hear a fact about frogs? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds legit. (laughs) You have chosen to subscribe to the Frog Facts newsletter. (laughs) I'm actually all right with that, actually. How frequent is the newsletter? It comes every minute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Catch the (laughs) chammer. You will learn everything about frogs, whether you like it or not. (laughs) And I am also joined... uh, by RoboCook, a name that I feel uh, was a trap, <laughs> deliberately what? set by Matthew. <laughs> no, I was I was a chef who was murdered by gangsters, and then the police turned me into a RoboCook. <laughs> Why? To cook for them? Yeah, and for justice. <laughs> to cook for justice. <laughs> Hope you mm. like frying donuts. Way! <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not as well thought out as Nate's, um, as is tradition. <laughs> <laughs> I panicked, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I have to type something. It was between that and Robo Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, uh, let's just go with RoboCook. Is, you know is Robo Matthew one of the clones that survived the <laughs> E3 Matthew clone massacre and is now augmented? Yeah. He's that, terrifying. That was one of the best episodes we've ever done. 
Uh, well, actually, but- while we're doing shout outs to the Discord, I just wanted to say uh, thank you for creating a wiki for the podcast. There is now a podcast wiki, which I tried to make a pinned post and couldn't, um, but maybe someone can. And it really pleases me because the entry on the Alabaster Titan is, as it should be, longer than any of the other pages. <laughs> Oh god. Um <laughs> Um yeah, as is tradition, let's uh start off by having a big old chat um about what we've been up to this week. But actually, before we do that, shall we take a little detour to the old west? Ye bloody ha. This episode of the Electronic Wireless Show is sponsored by Wild Bill's Craft Beverage Company. At Wild Bills, they make lightly carbonated sodas in kind of old school flavours like orange cream, black cherry, and obviously root beer. Now they've sent us an ad read here, and because Wild Bills is a sort of old-fashioned American good old boys kind of company, I've arranged for the Electronic Wireless Show Amateur Dramatic Society to perform this in the style of two cowboys sitting around a campfire eating beans out of a tin. So uh, take it away, lads. Oh, enjoying the taste of those beans. <sighs> They're mighty salty, though. Guess I'm gonna have to drink a not-too-refreshing gallon of generic, heavily carbonated soda. No, no, no. You gotta ditch them manufactured flavors. Your taste buds deserve better. Treat yourself to Wild Bill's premium handcrafted soda pop. Mouth-watering beverages that allow you to escape to the most interesting places imaginable. So cheers to refusing to drink from the mainstream. At Wild Bill's, flavor isn't everything. It's the only thing. Whoa there, partner. Hold up. Did you say that this drink can let me escape from the purgatorial wasteland of the Old West? Here, pass me that can. Sure thing. Drink up, partner. Wow, that's not bad at all. If after listening to that you've got a hankering to shotgun a can of nostalgia, then head over to drinkwildbills.com and use the code CHEERS15 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Oh, see, Alice, is is that just for cowboys? Yeah, unfortunately that is just for the US, but still go to drinkwildbills.com and use the code CHEERS15 in all caps. Yeehaw. Uh, so yeah, what have we been up to this week, lads? Anything interesting? Less sweating, which has been a pleasure. That's mm. good. Yeah. Any interesting food updates, Matthew? I don't want to force the food, the food stuff though. I feel like I've started forcing it in recent weeks. Not really. I, I've been I've been sort of experimenting a bit with uh, uh, ordering chicken burgers, uh, which I guess is an update. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a big chicken burger guy um, traditionally, but I thought, you know what, I because I, I, I use delivery quite a lot because I'm quite lazy and I didn't want to go out in the heat, so I got in some various chicken burgers to find out, you know, just what 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 is the state of chicken burgers in modern day Bath, and it's um, you know pretty pretty decent. Uh, it's, it's my exciting findings. I had to do emergency surgery on a prawn. I'm assuming it was already dead. No. No. Uh, Grim scenes await, listener. Oh, God. Um, So I've got a lovely 
three foot long um, river tank in my office, uh, which I made a lovely flow system where the water sucked in at one end, carried in pipes underneath the gravel, and then blasts out of a powerhead at the other side. So it's always flowing like a river. And I got these long armed Himalayan prawns in there, uh, shrimps technically, but um, they look prawnish, is what I'm saying. They're about as big as your thumb. They're the lads with the really long arms. Kind of look like Dark Souls monsters, um, but I like them. Uh, unfortunately, the big male in there who's got arms longer than his body, honestly, he's an embarrassment to God. Um, he just started eating one of the other ones like a hot dog. Oh. I was oh. extremely cross with this because, A, they're not meant to do that. They're really quite chill, especially with the amount of space I give them. And worse, it was one of the females carrying loads of nearly ready-to-hatch eggs. Um, so I shooed him away, uh, but he'd eaten her tail, which is Ugh. most of a prawn. So um, I took her out and I put her in um, a quarantine tank. But it was clear she wasn't going to make it. So I had to get, um, it was really sad, I had to get uh, some tweezers and a scalpel and very gently remove the eggs um, so they had a chance. So they're now in a, a tiny little tank with uh, an oxygen flow bubbling away. I'm really hoping they're going to make it. Uh, mm. But, yeah, that was it's, that was intense. It's interesting how a lot of your stories are about things that species that you claim to be docile doing incredibly violent things <laughs> on your watch. And I begin to wonder if it's actually sort of nurture, not nature here. Yeah, right. <laughs> just, just being in a room with you, you're just giving off some kind of energy. Which like is turning these guys into killers. Like how Staffies are actually really lovely dogs, you know. It might be the fact I play Mars, the bringer of war by Gustav Holst at deafening volume 24 hours a day. I'm just thinking King Bogey, then this guy, you know, two thugs. Oh, it's, yeah, I guess I do have a fondness for very small, extremely aggressive, uh, aggressively territorial animals. Mm. But then, no, they know that I do. I do, have had a run, run of absolute gits. Mm. But then there's also the fact I've got, you know, I got a lot of animals, and I don't. It's you know, it's like uh, it's like the news. You don't hear the good news, do you? Um, like in that very same tank, uh, there's sort of fifteen or sixteen uh, little babies hatched out from, admittedly, a mother who didn't get semi-consumed. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's uh, the the drama's always in the bee stings. Mm. Oh, yeah. uh, Sad state of affairs. My update is that I started reading Bullet Train, Matthew. Oh yeah, yeah, by Katari Osaka, and uh, I bought it a while back, but I've only just got around to it, and I love it already. I'm about forty pages in, and I feel like Nate, you'll be interested by this. Um, it's it's basically a train that's coincidentally full of assassins um, that are all kind of sort of slightly linked but anyway um, and it's revealed that there's this, there's this pair of assassins who call each other Tangerine and Lemon and one of them's really into Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> like what? like yeah. sin- sincerely just like really into Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> What does he like? 
you know, stride into a carriage, uh, like waving a gun around. He'd be like, all right, you troublesome trucks. Sort of, sort of like, like all of his sort of life experiences and life lessons are kind of taken from Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> I think there is like an explicit reference to like the episode where that one gets tunneled up for being a grump. Um, it's bricked in the tunnel, things like that. So, someone, That's actually uh, incredible. <laughs> someone early on asks, like, what are your names? And one of them gives, like, an alias. And then the Thomas Tank Engine one is like, no, our names are Donald and Douglas. And then says, uh, like, explicitly says, after these two trains in Thomas Tank mm. they have They have really good manners. Like, he gets cross at the other guy for not being able to remember which trains are which. <laughs> and he... You can yeah, recite. You can recite like the little trading cards, like descriptions about like Percy and stuff. It's really good. Mm. Has this actually got, really appeals. Has he got like a sheet of Thomas the Tank Engine stickers as well? Mm. I think the yeah, stickers I think so, yeah. play play quite a key part in it all. Um, yeah. yeah, I read an interview with the um, the writer of it, and he was just said, "Oh, when I was writing it, like my little boy was really into Thomas the Tank Engine, and it's all he ever talked about. So I just had all this Thomas." like law at the forefront of my mind so I kind of crowbarred it in it's <laughs> really good I've just read yeah. a bit as well where I think it sort of implies that he's kind of horny for trains as well like the sort yeah, of the pistons odd. the pistons going and stuff it's really good so that's a bonus recommendation for the listener mm. and, and for oh, Nate that's good <laughs> yeah this this could be my um this could be the Rosetta Stone <laughs> that introduced me into the world of Matthew Core. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot as well. My friend texted me this week after listening to the podcast and said that Matthew has big Archie the Inventor off of Balamori energy. Oh, well that, that's fine, because that guy that guy is quite cool, I think. Um that's uh what's his shot? Miles Jupp, isn't it? Yeah, I feel that you have more current Miles Jupp energy. But... Well that's that's alright. Um, Mars Jupp incidentally has like eight thousand children. <laughs> I heard that on a podcast. What? He's got lo- he's got loads of kids. C- like like an for someone queen. who's like, what? yeah, just lot load like just loads and loads of kids. Hang on, I'm gonna look this up. <laughs> he can lay up to sixteen thousand eggs a day. Well, for someone who is I, I assumed like the same age as me, he has a lot. I would say a lot of kids. He's a bit older. He's forty one. Oh, okay. And he has five. <laughs> that's yeah. disappointing. I thought he had like a comic well, that's, I think, well, okay, all right. Maybe I oversold that. You're expecting like 20. <laughs> I was expecting like, you know, in the region of eight. But my... Okay. my, my I'd, uh, five is a lot. My grandmother had six. Yeah, but five, this day and age, someone, someone our age, my age, so, I, and I didn't realise he was a little bit older. I thought he was like the same age as me and that. So, okay. Listen, He's got 400 percent more children than I have. Yeah, I, I won't tell that anecdote <laughs> again. <laughs> that one is now off the list. Actually, no, <laughs> this my—I've been eating chicken burgers. <laughs> you, should, you should tell it. You should tell it, but at like a wedding or something, when no one's gonna be the smug Alice and get out their phone and go, actually, I think we'll find it trying to cry. Yeah, but I know deep down that I'm feeding them just a lot, you know. Who goes around a wedding telling people that Mars Jupp has 15 kids? Like, that's so weird. <laughs> I'm just thinking Matthew rocks up to the podcast next week. 
Do you know, I have got dozens of hands. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually just two, but, you know, it's quite a lot. <laughs> I thought you said mm. dozens of hams then. I was like, I believe that. <laughs> oh, do you, have you ever got a really, really good Iberico ham? We, yeah, my, well, on, only occasionally, but yeah, not anymore. They're amazing because they're just sort of immortal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like this Just shave, of- shave off little bits of taste. Well, we've, we've never had a shavable meat in our house, I don't think. <laughs> it's not really us. Like, we may get the shavings, but we wouldn't buy, we wouldn't get like a big old lump. I mean, that's... Well, you know me, I like the aesthetic of just having you, well, like a leg. It, you've got like this sort of like medieval food <laughs> vibe going on and I yeah. don't. Because I, I bet you'd, you, you'd get the ham with the foot still on it, wouldn't you? That's like a of leg. Course. Yeah, yeah. Would you yeah, take a bite out of to... it? Like oh, a, yeah, it... yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I always assumed it was cut into very thin slices because it was like too intense to eat a big mouthful of it. Oh, it is extremely intense, but... You know, it it does feel quite good. Mm-hmm. Actually, speaking, I did have a medieval food hall vibe, but it has transitioned. Uh, as Alice saw yesterday when we were having a webcam chat, I now look eerily identical to Karl Marx. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my hair um, is really long now, and obviously I've got a very long beard, which is in that sort of loaf of bread shape. Uh, and yeah, I just looked in the mirror the other day and realized I have the exact same hair and beard arrangement as the, uh, the, the father of communism. Oh. <laughs> it was really funny. Congrats. Yeah. I'm not over egging this, am I, Alice? It's, uh, you- no, he, he looked like, you look like young Carl, like, you know, when everyone's like, look at, look, look at like young Stalin. You look like, like. Young Karl Marx. That'd yeah. be, uh. Hell of a daring Saturday morning cartoon show, wouldn't it? He'd be a good character in a uh, a dating sim. Oh yeah, you get a, you get a lot of those things where they show you a picture and they're like, "You think this is James Franco? It's actually Rasputin." <laughs> and you're like, "What? <laughs> no way!" <laughs> yeah. Did Did you see Sexy Poirot? By the way, Matthew, I did see Sexy Poirot. Yeah. I don't really know. I can't. I don't really know what to make of that guy. Like he seems a bit. He's got like a hardness and an aggression to his face, which doesn't like. He looks like he'd he'd, he'd kill or he has killed. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. feel quite uncomfortable. A little bit. Yeah, a bit of youthful aggression. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Can you two help me out with a meme I missed this week? Yeah. Uh, I had that cursed thing that happens on Twitter where you're not on for a few days and then you do and everyone's doing the third round of jokes about something. Uh-huh. And this was the beach that makes you old. Yeah. Yeah. Can somebody summarize the beach that makes you old to me? I There's, mean, you have summarized it in that sentence. Yeah. It's, it's M, M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan's new film is about... <sighs> A beach that um, makes you old. So it's just when you're on this beach, you age super fast, and you're trapped on the beach. You've got to try and escape the beach before you age and die, basically. But How like fast this... are we talking? Well, like, like end of Indiana Jones. No, uh, not fast, but like pretty, pretty fast. You, you I go mean. like the family that's on the beach. Their kids go from like kids 
two teenagers to by the end of the film they're like adults i think uh, okay that's quite and, harrowing. and people yeah. that are like you know our age die kind of thing yeah a year every few minutes or something yeah oh that sounds so stressful not watching that well I, the thing is <laughs> I find the beach just naturally, like, even if it was a beach where you don't age fast, I, I still find the beach stressful. All that sand, dogs, like sand hides, broken glass, like sand, sand is a very like high tension surface to me, like, especially as you're encouraged to walk in it with bare feet. The sea, you can drown, like the beach is just way more dangerous than most places you can be. Uh, actually, do I- you know what? The beach, the beach is probably uh, quite a dangerous. I mean, we will return to this in future episodes. I feel, but we've been talking for twenty minutes already. Um, <laughs> the beach is probably uh, quite a, a stressful area for robots as well. All that sand could get in their little oh, their yeah. machinery. You know, there you go. How about that? Well, that was really good. So this is the uh, the best robots in game special. Uh, and as I said, Nate has, before we started recording this, been lobbying for it to include androids as well. No, cyborgs, actually. Cyborgs, sorry, yeah. Which, uh, my understanding of cyborgs is a robot that's got a bit of person in it. Is that right? Or yeah. a person with a bit of robot in it. It's the old best of both worlds. I think um, I'd allow it. Oh, I don't know. Robo. It's Robocop's a cyborg, right? So why is he called Robocop then? <laughs> well, that just shows the taxonomic closeness of cyborgs and robots. Uh, but then a man with a, um, an artificial heart valve is a cyborg, technically. Cyborgs live and work amongst us. Okay, but I'm not accepting in a discussion of best robots a person, <laughs> like a human man, who at one point in the game he's in is referenced to have... Yeah, that's that's fair. I I I will accept Robocop yeah, as if, as a robot. If that guy starts trying to like assimilate other people into a robot army, then I might be open to it. Mm. I exactly. think my my criteria, which is just completely invalid, but I'm just going to insist it's now. You know, the hard truth is that at least twenty percent of a person's face needs to be made up of either, like, glowing red lights or pipes or <laughs> plates with too many screws in them, or else it's not a cyborg. I'd say more than 20%. <laughs> pipes. There's loads, always loads of pipes. <laughs> loads of pipes. And, like, a see-through bit over some part of the skull. Like, the, yeah, the I, brain, yeah. I always laugh loads um the... Warhammer 40k artwork of like cyborg people because there's loads of cyborgs in 40k and there's always so many pipes you see like a bloke with like 15 pipes going into his eye and another like 500 coming out of his mouth and you just think I'm sorry how many vital substances need to get in and out of a person's head to necessitate that amount of tubing you know it's it's clearly a fashion thing it's clearly a fashion. Either that, or like someone, some like pipe manufacturer has just got some dodgy contract with the robot factory. <laughs> it's sponsorship. It is. That's, that's the way in the world these days. 
the Tubeman and Sons Pipe Manufactorium. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll get my game wreck in, actually. Um, well, one of them. I was going to say, because uh, I was thinking about the Pipe Men, Mechanicus, the sort of the XCOM-like game featuring the, uh, the tech priests off of 40K, has... Uh, it, they're really, really funny in it. There's like a lot of writing in the game, and yeah, they're, they're very obsessed with being robots, but they're not quite as robot as they'd like to be. Um, and they have really fun little conversations with each other where they like try and bully each other into turning their emotions <laughs> off and stuff like that. <laughs> well, so are they? Are these people who are becoming robots or are they outright robots? They're people who are becoming robots. So their religion is that basically flesh is weak and machines are really good, uh, but also that actual science and innovation is terrifying. So they're like weird medieval Catholics um, <laughs> who are really into pipes and... Yeah, the high, more higher ranking they are, the more bits of themselves they just swap out for like random hardware, and mm. the more they talk in in code, basically. Right. Uh, and they've got like a weird like because everything technological in forty k is like running on a worse operating system than existed in the eighties. So they've got like a a sort of a Tesco Essentials Internet, um, <laughs> linking them all up. And they basically have like psychic message boards where they have really pedantic arguments with each other all the time. Um, and yeah, it, it's just really funny. These sort of hyper futuristic giga monks working with like 1980s era uh, information technology, or so it seems. So yeah, like- it's really surprisingly well written. Yeah, I like that. And it sounds sort of like those, what are they called in Cyberpunk 2077? Those lads, there's like a gang who really love technology and they've all turned their faces into like an exploded oh, razor keyboard. Yeah. All oh, black and red called? and that. Yeah. I can't remember. It's, it's, it's something though. dumb and broad like metalheads or something, but it's not yeah. that. It's, yeah. yeah. Tech boys, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> they're pretty good. My, I mean, my favourite robots... Uh, I was going to say, I think Fallout 4 has got some really good robots across the board, I have to say. Um, it's It's got that, that pirate ship full of robots. Do you remember that? Is there? Yeah, on top of a, it's on top of a building downtown and the captain's a big robot. <laughs> and oh, I don't think help. I ever saw that. That's Fallout 4, isn't it? Oh, um, yeah, no, no, but I just, I, 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 I haven't explored Fallout 4 as fully as I should. I can look this up in case it's not Fallout 4. Uh, but it's got Nick Valentine as your uh, oh, companion. Yeah. He's brilliant. He's a robot like Philip Marlowe. He's he's like uh, a kind of, you know, now listen see, kind of detective gumshoe oh, in a hat and a trench coat. Uh, the aesthetic's robot. just wonderful for Fallout robots as well. Is it, I always forget the name for it. Is it like Rocket Punk or Atom Punk or, you know, that kind of 1950s, sort of bulbous curved shapes and fins and and nodules and stuff. Mm, I don't know that. It's a good aesthetic. I like it. I, I have to think robots have, um, like, in RPGs or where you've got, like, robot companions, they have this sort of unnatural... 
this sort of natural advantage over other companions because you don't expect them to be if they show like any humanity it instantly seems like brilliant and interesting and you're like oh great this is such an awesome character you know like nick valentine or um what's the one in mass effect there's that kind of sentient um um re- uh, not, ED. Re- uh, uh the 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 geth guy who joins you in the second oh, legion oh yeah 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 legion yeah um you know i feel like they don't almost have to work as hard like they're just the novelty of like a robot who's a bit human yeah. kind of does a lot of heavy lifting and there's there's actually a whole one of the fallout 4 dlcs um i can't remember what it's called but it's like it's kind of swampy and you go to like a whole island and there's a whole bit where it's like po- it's not point lookout is it something like that i can't remember but it's it's very nick valentine centric um oh, okay i don't i don't want to spoil it um but uh yeah it's it, that's really good and there's also i think it's part of that but there's also in fallout 4 a um uh a sort of murder mystery ish kind of thing uh where you come across like a vault that's full of robots that are well i guess cy- uh cyborgs because it's all brains of old survivors that put themselves in some robots or kind of trundling about alone y- yelling at each other and having weird robot affairs and stuff hmm. and one of them you turn up and like one of them's been pushed over <laughs> it's really good um so that's good i Cox, wish there was Cox, a, worth is a good way- as well. I'm oh, sorry, I'd just love to play a, a sort of a mod of the Fallout games that just lets you encounter the really interesting narrative set pieces without having to do a really long role-playing game. Probably like is. just a series of almost mini-games. It's got to be I, a mod. I always love the sound of these things, but I just, I've never really just had the energy to, to beast my way through a whole Fallout. Yeah. I mean, I imagine someone has like modded it so you can just play it as a, you know, walking simulator type simulator type thing. Mm. Oh, that, sorry, that's... I bar- barreled into you there with my unrealistic wishes. But that's made <laughs> what Matthew just said has made me think of Soma, which has some good sad robots in it. Because that's I the one. Played Soma. Oh, it's so good, it, and it has a version of it. Uh, not even a mod. They've just included a version that hasn't got the chase sequence monsters in it. Uh, mm. But it's you, you play as this guy who has, it goes to have a brain scan, closes his eyes, and then opens them again. And he's in like a weird underground, uh, undersea facility, like many decades in the future. What's going on? And you find all these robots that um, have had human personalities sort of put in them. Uh, and they think they're people and don't realize that they're in a robot body now. It's very, it's a real psychological horror in that it is horrifying in, on a psychological level. <laughs> I really right, love Zola. Right. It's really, really, really I'll tell you who's a, a lovely robot. Um, BT off of um, Titanfall 2. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Oh, well, let's, let's just celebrate BT together. A good robot, um, yeah, because he's like he's the sort of the, the robot companion in the single player campaign, and I like him because he's kind of like a sort of you know uh, sort of self uh, 
and all you know you can c- control self-governing sort of robot most of the time and then you can also climb in him and use him as a brilliant weapon um which hey. is maybe a bit rough as he's your mate <laughs> I, uh, it's so like it's said a lot but i don't think it can be said too many times just in case it reaches anyone who hasn't yet heard it titanfall 2 has one of the best single player campaigns ever it is a treat from start to finish mm. everything about it is really 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 brilliantly done mm. um and it just it just released at the wrong time uh and just sort of sank like a stone and it, it's a shame because it's yeah, it's great. And BT, the character, is really well designed because he is convincingly a robot. Uh, and the, the sort of the warmth he has is quite originally realized because he's still very clearly, you know, a military AI that is occasionally designed to be driven around as a big murder machine. Mm. He's a nice bloke. Yeah, there's, there's, I was reading quite a good making of about him where they were saying that they watched all these like buddy cop movies, things like, like Lethal Weapon and whatnot, to try and get like the dynamic between the two characters. And then they, they had this sort of like constant sort of struggle to balance him. So he's, he's like not too soft and kind of like puppyish, but also not too sort of dickish and sort of standoffish. Like that, that middle point where he sort of shows sort of enough humanity, but is also like this awesome, powerful bit of like military hardware. Um, like it's, it's just really, really nicely done in that game. And like his humor as well, because it's so easy when writing robot characters to be like, what is this chicken crossing a road does not compute, you know, right. <laughs> uh, or just have like, you know, go the Marvel route and just have robots endlessly, tirelessly wisecracking like everyone else. Yeah. Whereas BT makes some pretty good jokes, but occasionally just doesn't, doesn't get an element or forgets that the person he's telling the joke to isn't also a, a massive war mech. Um, mm. It's it's good. It's it's convincingly how, um, you know, a a a an a artificial personality might not just be cold and hard and logical without mm. also being fully human in its instinct for the peculiarities of language. Mm. I think this is true, but I, 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 maybe I'm misremembering this. But when you're Inside, when you're, you know, when you're using it as a mech, it's right-handed, and when you leave, it's left-handed, to suggest that it itself has, you know, something different going on to just what you would do. Um, oh, that is fascinating. Mm, like they, they put all these little subtle hints that it's kind of, you know, how it differs between when you're in it and when you're outside it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's a, it's a, it is a great campaign as well. Just, Might play just, it this weekend, actually. Oh, it's, so, it's nice and short as well. You can just power through it. No, talking about the humour reminds me of um, HK47 in Knights of the Old Republic, who's kind of... Oh, yeah, friend of the podcast, he is. Friend Lovely. of the podcast, <laughs> HK47. I could he, see him being, like, a good fourth host for this podcast. Yeah. He would fit, he would fit very well with, like, so we can our get general on. thing. He, I tell you what, he would bang on a fish tank. 
He would destroy oh, look, the fish tank. I think you're forgetting about someone. I'm just looking to my left here and the Alabaster Titan's looking really sad <laughs> that you're talking about swapping him out like that. Well, he doesn't talk, does he? He adds a lot, Matthew. He adds an awful lot. Uh, but Sorry. HK47. Sorry, tights. <laughs> tights. HK47 is... I feel sort of the template for that kind of in games at least that kind of like um cold logician kind of cuz he's an assassin droid and in context HK47 is really funny but then I feel like he is also the reason that like every lazy I'm going to do a robot joke chud you yeah. see on Twitter is like call it oh meat bags like sh- Sure. Oh, that every like charming psychopath that follows has got a little bit of him in it. Mm. Of kind of, uh he's dreadful, isn't he? But he's also so you know, sort of witty and funny. <laughs> but I feel HK forty seven did it well, and then a bit, but like calling a, a human a meatbag seems like one of those lazy shortcuts. It's like the sort of thing that Ernest Klein would do wanting to evoke that character without having right. to do any of the work of building <laughs> that character. <laughs> That's a fair roast. <laughs> That's it? the problem with any archetype done well, though, isn't yeah. it? It ends up feeling like a cliche in retrospect because the amount of things that then supplant it in the public consciousness doing it slightly worse. Yeah. Mm. There's, 47 there's, deserve um, better. There's, there's quite... Um, it's quite a fun robot companion in um, the Outer Worlds, which is like this sort of cleaning bot, and it it doesn't have a personality. It can only speak in like its cleaning quotes. And I saw uh, there was like a little document. I think it was one of the no fit documentaries about like the making of Outer Worlds, and they were sort of saying like they wanted a you know another companion who wasn't as like work intensive, didn't need like the same kind of the same kind of background and the same like level of writing and so they sort of just created this this sort of huge data bank of <laughs> what it what it would logically say as a cleaning bot and then it has to you know that's the those are the only sound bites it can rely on so it just sort of has to sort of load up the most relevant thing in any given situation and try and communicate how it's feeling based on you know something's got you know like clean up on R6 kind of thing you know is, is that sounds very Douglas Adams actually I like that yeah it's fine it's, it's quite fun I mean the downside is is that you don't you don't tend to bring that companion with you because it doesn't have like you know you feel like you're getting more out of your time with the others like you've got more to learn about them and so you just need more time if you bring him it's like saying I don't really kind of care about like deeper law or anything. I just want some like robot lols, but maybe something to do. <laughs> I like him because you have to get all the bits for him, don't you? He's yeah, you're hanging out in your ship. Then he's just like, yeah, I quite like the idea of just a big joke companion though. It's quite fun. How do we feel about claptrap off of Borderlands? Uh, yeah, right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You got to give him points for persistence. Do you think he's the thing? Like he's they're going for that. You know, it's incredibly irritating. But if you do it for long enough, you eventually get worn down and and love it. And they just haven't reached that point yet. I can think of no other reason they will continue to put him in games. <laughs> yeah, 
because you sort of have a microcosm of that in when he first turns up and he and there he is and you're like oh he's quite fun and then he very quickly stops being fun and then I don't think I yeah ever got around to the point <laughs> where it was fun again when the fun I mean, stops uh, <laughs> what's the phrase when the fun stops the it's when the fun stops stop, stop. <laughs> Is it? Okay. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, it's maddening as well because all of the writing for Claptrap shows that they are aware everyone hates him. <laughs> like he's constantly being dunked on and like exploded and stuff. But the crucial thing is, like, I, I always get this. Have you seen that thing where someone tweets something really like you know, debased, and everyone will just reply with their name in capital letters and a full stop. Oh, yeah. And they take that as encouragement. Mm. Oh, this is my brand now. <laughs> Whereas, you know, actually, there's a lot more people silently just reading it and thinking that's, that's just rubbish. I, <laughs> yeah. I, at this point, I feel like because of the context and because of everything that's happened in the world, Four of the most cursed words in the English language are back on my bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Claptrap is like never off. Back you know? on my bullshit. <laughs> he never left. <laughs> it's the new, I've just played devil's advocate. And you're like, well, don't. <laughs> don't, don't do it. It's fine. You don't need to. Like, you. The devil, yeah, no the, devil will, like, the devil can afford some very good uh, advocacy. You, you don't need to do pro bono work for Satan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pro, that's it. So I'm back on my pro bono bullshit. <laughs> that's such a good quote. I really like that. Thanks. Oh. Yeah, so Claptrap <laughs> can go in the bin. Yeah. Um, I wanted to give a little shout out for... Kane in Binary Domain, who's just a French robot. And there's really nothing more to him than that. He's just a robot who's French. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of time for that. Uh, it's great. Like, it works because it is, there's, there's not a lot of thought in it. <laughs> uh, I respect that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but would you feel the same if there was, like, a werewolf, but he's Spanish? Or like, I, I think I would as if, as long as they didn't do anything to like anything to like reinforce that. You know, like he never mentions being Spanish. He just is Spanish, and people are like, "Oh, that guy's a Spanish werewolf," and then that's it. <laughs> oh, it's Sudanese Dracula. Hi, I, I'm yeah. from South Sudan. I want to drink your blood. Uh, oh, so much funnier than like him eating like you know robo baguettes or something. You know, it's it's better than that. Uh, side note, because I think Nate probably missed this as well, but um, the, a bunch of uh, Japanese artists have undertaken this thing where they're drawing all the world flags as like anime samurai. <laughs> oh no, I had a look at that um, yesterday. They're great. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, it, <laughs> it's so funny. You've like... opened up a dangerous thing now because I want to go to the browser window and then it's like um, the pool that the, the, the Greek myth man stares into and dies of 
first. We'll link to it. I, I really love it. I feel like the American one is like a subtle own on Americans as well, because he's like the youngest of the flags. So he's drawn as like a very tall child with a small head. And, then, <laughs> and his favorite, his, his hobby is like watching American football and his favorite food is burgers. But uh, his weakness is raw fish, just being like, mm. don't like sushi, I guess. These things weren't like commissioned by the Olympics. No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. It'd be really weird if they were, but I'll link to those in the show notes as well. <laughs> mm. Wales owns. Wales is really great. New Zealand is pretty awesome as well. Greece, amazing. Um, I'm personally uh, batting for Turkey, who's like this awesome crimson samurai who thinks a lot about how to make kebabs. <laughs> Very, yeah, it's not. They they've said like you know they've kind of looked into like you know the culture of the the nation, but a lot of it does come across as a very comedic stereotyping. Did, did you did you see that thing about the um the South Korean news channel that had to apologise because during when when they were showing the Olympic opening ceremony in in South Korea, they had um like for every team that came out like on their on screen graphics, they had like a little info box and like an image to represent them. And for like the Ukraine, it was like Chernobyl. Oh God! No. <laughs> and I think there were just there were loads of things like that. They were just massively inappropriate. Like they were all these sort of freaking <laughs> states, and they were just like pictures of like civil unrest and things like that. It's really, really bad. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. Good stuff. Good clean fun. If you love online shooters, you should listen to Ultimate Audio Bang, Rock Paper Shotgun's fortnightly podcast. Every second Friday, I, Ed Thorne, and I, Imogen Beckelling, chat about the latest news in Shooterland. We go in-depth on Apex, Warzone, and more in our weekly talking points. And we also tell you about the silly player names you come across. I once played Valorant with Joey Tribbiani. Subscribe to Ultimate Audio Bang on your preferred podcasting app, or listen to us every second Friday on rockpapershotgun.com. But uh, now I feel it's time for us to descend into the Cavern of Lives, which... A uh, big treat this week is a Matthew Cavern. Uh, mm. so, do you want to do a sting for us, lads? Let's do it. Hey. The Cavern of Lies. All right, Matthew, what cavern lays before us today? Well, it's, it's, it's not actually robot themed. I've themed it around a big game release this week. Ooh. You find yourself in court. <gasps> oh, no. You are on a witness stand. This is the court from Ace Attorney, which the great Ace Attorney Chronicles is out this week. And, well, no, not in the witness stand. You find yourself in the uh, defendant's box. You've been accused of murder. Oh, no. Both of you. And before you stand, there are five other people on the witness stand. And as is, uh, as is Ace Attorney tradition, within that group, there is, there is a killer. But... We don't actually know who the killer is. What you're actually trying to do is you're just trying to pin your crimes on, on, an, on another character from the Ace Attorney universe. Um, but you have to pin it on a character that actually exists. If you pin your crime on someone who didn't do it, who doesn't exist, you know, you're going to go to jail. Yeah, so that's an objection, isn't it? <laughs> so you're faced okay. with five people, but only two of them are actually Ace Attorney characters. Oh, okay, this is good. Yeah, so this to, is very good. You have to pick out the two 
pin your crimes on them, and then you get to go home. You get to leave the cavern. If you get it wrong, um, you get the death penalty, which is part of the Ace Attorney universe. It's kind of a sinister undertone. <laughs> really? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really odd. It's all like big holes, and then you think, all these people are being executed. <laughs> but, hey, all right, all right, okay. We can do this. Okay, so first up, this is the first witness. Uh, he's called Luke Atney. Okay. Okay. He is an ace detective who appears in the case, The Stolen Turnabout. Now, I'll just say for people who haven't played Ace Attorney, every case is The Something Turnabout. Okay. So he's the ace detective from The Stolen Turnabout. He's been hunting a thief called Mask de Mask. And he's this kind of gloating modern day Sherlock Holmes figure. Uh, and his signature animation in the game is he's got like a magnifying glass and he pushes it right out in towards the screen and it makes one of his eyes get really large and exaggerated. So he's this kind of gloating okay. smug detective uh, who's chasing another killer himself. Called Look at Me. He's called Look at Me. Is that, wouldn't that make more sense if he was a model or something? You're gonna, you're gonna, the names, you know, that you're gonna hear some pretty wild names from these witnesses. I'm just giving you this in advance. Right, okay, that is an that's, Ace Attorney trope. Let's look at me. Okay, who's next? Next up is Julie Noted. <laughs> yeah, she is a secretary in the case High Rise Turnabout. She is accused of killing the CEO of Juicy Bank by poisoning his coffee. Is, is that the financial services branch of Juicy Couture? <laughs> no, it's just, a, it's just a fictional brand that exists in the Ace Attorney universe called Juicy Bank. I don't know what it's based on. I don't know what it's going for, but it is But you wear it its logo across the back of a pair of short shorts. I gotcha. probably would. Um, and her signature animation is that she nervously gnaws a pencil all the way down whenever she's stressed. Um, like a like a hamster. Yeah, like a uh, I wrote uh, like a cartoon beaver. Okay. Um, so that's duly noted. All right. Who's next? N- next up is Sal Manella. He is a film director at Global Studios in Turnabout Samurai. He directs a show called Steel Samurai, which is the most popular show in the Ace Attorney universe. Um, he's like a parody of like otaku kind of culture he talks a lot in like internet memes he's quite sort of sort of sweaty and unpleasant he's a bit like pervy it's quite a broad caricature um and his signature animation is he just sweats loads and loads and loads i think he's uh, real he catches I... salmonella and speed runs the <laughs> the illness i think he's real because i i played the first ace attorney a long time ago now but I remember there is there's a case because I think like the actor that plays that samurai is either dead or suspected of I can't remember. But that case is real. I don't know. Okay. Right. Yeah. Number next four. One? Yeah. Number four is Emma Jency. She is a firefighter in the Red Hot Turnabout. She's actually the murderer in that case. Oh, I should say spoiler alert. Uh, she's actually the murderer in that case. Uh, she sees an old enemy of hers during a firefighting rescue and uses the opportunity to bump him off. 
And her signature uh, animation is that when she gets really stressed, she sort of sets on fire and then puts herself out with a fire extinguisher. Okay. I so. mean, on balance, that's... I'm not sure whether that's a good thing for her, her line of work. <laughs> emergency. All right. And finally, we have Paul the Other One. Paul the Other One is a stand-up comedian in Turnabout Encore. He is a witness to a murder at a variety performance. Uh, he's this very annoying character because whenever he's on the stand, he wraps everything up in this quite kind of old-fashioned, uh, like that sort of 1950s, 1960s sort of stand-up style, very like, um, trying to think of the right word for it, like uh, sort of that one-liner-y kind of, I don't want to say Jackie Mason because, you know, he's died this week and he's on the forefront of my mind, but that kind of older era of kind of, of, of sort of American comics. Uh, and his signature animation is he sort of taps his mic Whenever he doesn't get a reaction, it's kind of, is this thing on? Oh, so, good okay. grief. So that's Paul, right. the other one. Okay. Um, is that all of them? That's five. Only two of those are real. This is the most nightmarish cavern yeah. ever. This is None like, of them before, are we dive, before we dive into this, like, well done, Matthew. This is very good. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to back myself. I think Salmonella is real. I think I remember that guy. I think he's one of the real <clears> ones. <throat> but I have no idea about any of the rest. I mean, shall we... Listen, I know it's usually bad cavern etiquette to reveal prior knowledge, but I think this one's so hard, that is a straw we should grasp for... <laughs> Like, I think we should make him one. Oh, how are we doing it, Matthew? Are we making our accusations? And we've got two accusations to make, one each. Yeah, you've got, yeah, you need to make two accusations. I mean, like, if between you only get one, like, one of you gets to go free and the other one, you know, you'd have to agree that between yourselves. Okay. Let, all right. Let's look. Okay. So I think Salmonella is real. Let, let's I... accuse him straight away. You're pointing the finger at Salmonella? Yeah. That is the nearest we have got to any sort of confidence. So let's do it. You point the finger. The music gets incredibly exciting. Salmonella shrieks. He doesn't want this crime pinned on him because he is a real person. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, he's not real. He's in East. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is he like dragged out of the door to a, a sinister squad of secret police? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, I feel good about this whole fantasy now. Okay. So now um, you've got four left. Only one of them is real. You've got so look. Oh. You've got look at me. Julie noted. Emma Gency and Paul the other one. Okay, I don't think Paul the other one is real. Yeah, no, I, he can't. Cannot be. Just, just the that. For, I just don't. I just don't feel that one. I have no basis for this, just that I just kind of think the name is a bit too, it's, it's kind of, I think because the name is like D, an idiom, you know, like. But it's like D apostrophe, it's, this, I'll spell it for you. Yeah, exactly, that's why I don't believe it. D apostrophe, U-V-V-E-R-O-N-E. Honestly, personally, I think that could have just been a good bit of localization. The tell for me 
was when Matthew was describing the sort of archetype he harks back to, sort of like American old-timey stand-up sort of thing. Like The way he described it very much denoted an archetype present in like cultural capital that Matthew Castle is fond of, but not necessarily the broader <laughs> human population. <laughs> Look at so, you. Look at yeah. you. Look at you making like ace detective look at me. This is it. Yeah. So he can he can stay on the stand because I think he's a fictional. Um the of the others, I am I am drawn to either Julie noted or Luke at me, because I feel like their animations as described are very good. And I I Oh, Emergency's fire animation is amazing. How super, like, how hot is the Ace Attorney series on giving people, like, pyrokinesis, for example? Well, she just sort of sets on fire. She's saying, like, it's, I don't think it's implied that she's making the fire. She's just, like, constantly sort of smouldering throughout the case. She's a firefighter. Oh, sure. But what I mean is, like, is it common for characters' animations to reveal incredible supernatural powers like that? Uh, yeah, some of them are pretty pretty dark. Can you give me another, another example? Uh, uh, maybe not exactly like that, but there's like... Objection. Is it, <laughs> is there there's one who like summon like clouds of butterflies whenever they speak, and there's one who like constantly uh, uh, sort of assembles and then disassembles a bomb in court. Isn't, isn't there one who's like a girl clown and she has like... Big boobs are actually balloons, and if she gets really agitated, they burst. Uh, there's a lot of boob action in these games. <laughs> um, Crikey! I, I am inclined to discount Emergency as well. Okay. Yeah, she's a she's a fakus. So <laughs> I just, I just again don't really have a real reason for that. Mm. Um, it's, a t- it's a toughie, this one. I thought this might be a bit hard. But I can't, I can't decide between Luke at me and Julie Noted. I feel like the Luke at me animation is very believable, but also it's done quite a lot. You know, someone mm. doing the bit looking through a... Mm. I don't know. Was the Julie Noted one, was that the one where you tripped over a spoiler and, and said she was the killer? No, that's Emergency. Okay, well, that's that's another another foot of soil added to her grave. <laughs> Unless it's an amazing double bluff. No, no, it was definitely false authenticity <laughs> gilding the lily. We know, we know how this game goes. Um, Listen, I don't think I, I don't war. think I've Tobias Beckforded this one yet. So I was no, going to no. ask. Uh, uh, I was going to be like any of these characters. Have a puppet. <laughs> I was going to try and tie it into like somehow Tobias Bedford's on trial, but I just couldn't. I couldn't quite make it work. And I thought, let's not shoot him in. Let's keep him back as a treat for when he's needed. <laughs> do you know what? I really, I'm going to ask the the team if we can do a Tobias Beckford T-shirt. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Have you seen my puppets? <laughs> he's such a good character. <laughs> um. Uh. Okay. So you've basically come down to Luke at me and Julie noted. Alex, what do you think, mate? 
Oh, okay. Well, for what it's worth, the Alabaster Titan thinks it's uh, thinks it's Julie. All right, let's let's go with Julie then. You're going to point the finger at Julie. Yeah. You point the finger. All of a sudden, there is a burst of laughter from elsewhere on the stand. No. From look at me. No. No. Tights, mate. Oh, tights. That means one of you oh. has to be executed. Which is it to me? Let's, the Titan. The, yeah, let's, oh, yeah. the Alabaster Titan is made of alabaster, so they can't hang him. Let's push him in front of us. And you can hold off the sinister policeman as we run. Absolutely shameless. What an, I mean, that's quite, that feels quite true to an Ace Attorney case. Um, <laughs> so uh, you, you've defeated the court using the logic of this universe. I salute you for that and allow you to go free. They're going to hold a bleak mock execution for an enormous stone man. Mm. <laughs> well, doesn't matter. We lived. Oh, thank you, Matthew. That was excellent. That was... I spent truly... a long time coming out with those fake names. It was so good. <laughs> Catherine, was, Catherine was like, they're not going to go for Paul Dava one. <laughs> I was like, I think I can sell it. <laughs> 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 and uh, well done to uh, to Nate for um, doing a lot of detective work. That was very good. I feel like the real ace attorney. All that remains this week is to do recommendations because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Uh, Matthew. Uh, I'm actually going to I'm going to stick on the Ace Attorney note. Um, like I said, the new game is out this week. Recently, I found this incredible site, uh, fan site, which has basically dedicated itself to translating all these kind of like uh, old interviews with the Ace Attorney team from like developer blogs and things like that. And it it, it just tells the Ace Attorney story like way better than anyone else could. And uh, it's, if you, if you are into that series, which I understand is a niche. It's really, really fascinating. Um, it's called the Gyakutan Saiban Library. Um, Gyakutan Saiban being the Japanese name of Ace Attorney. Um, but I'll, I'll send Alice a link to it so she can put it in the post so you can go and visit. If you are into it, it's just like an absolute treat. Uh, that sounds very fun. Um, mm. I'm going to recommend uh, this thing I found recently called... Uh, Starface, which are um, they're little like star shaped stickers uh, that you put on uh, if you've got spots, you put a little star shaped sticker on before you go to bed and then you sleep with it on. Um, they're hydrocolloid uh, sort of dressings, but they're just really cute little, little yellow or you can get rainbow ones, uh, stars. And um, they in the morning then you it all have like brought it right down it's really good um, mm. yeah because i've had a bunch of breakouts recently i think because it's so hot i'm all grim and sticky all the time uh and they're really cute um so that's my recommendation uh nate what are you recommending this week it's a youtube channel this week uh i might make that the the sort of the default niche for me actually um just like matthew's got crime novels I reckon this could be my thing. So I do quite like YouTube channels. This one is called Ben G. Thomas. 
uh, and just does little factual videos about extinct animals. They're really earnest, and they fall just on the right side of being dry. Like, Ooh. so if you just want, if you want facts, like you, you know, you'll never hear what's up, guys. You'll never see the streamers gape uh, in a thumbnail with an arrow <laughs> pointing at a T Rex, saying it bought ten Teslas? Question mark exclamation mark. It is just a really dignified man talking for a few minutes at a time about an interesting animal you might not have heard of. I'm quite a paleontology nerd, and I've actually learned about a whole you know a whole bunch of animals I hadn't actually heard of uh, from his videos. Really knows his business. Um, and especially if you like to, you know, if you're the sort of person who watches YouTube before bed, um, you know, to relax, uh, yeah, his, his channel is a good place to do that. There's a lot on it. It's really low key and, uh, yeah, it's, you, you, you'll do a learn. Ah, fabulous stuff. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and thank you listener, for listening to this episode 149 of the Electronic Wireless Show, the best robots in games special, which I think about it, we might have done before, but robots are cool, so who cares? Um, we are uh, on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, if you just search for Rock Paper Shotgun. Uh, we have a Discord, which we mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, you should check that out. It's really fun. Link to it in the show notes. Um, we have merch. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes as well, including a very snazzy Calvin of Lies t-shirt. And uh, what else do we have? Well, for all your PC game needs, go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. And if you sign up to the support program, you also will get an extra podcast from us every month, which we're about to record after this one. It's called The Nate Files, and it's where we let Nate talk a bunch of nonsense. Uh, he's got a little, a little taster, a little hint of what we might be treated to this time, Nate. You have chosen to subscribe to the Frog Facts newsletter. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, so until next week, listener, do head to www.rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, but this time, it's uh, time to say goodbye. I'm Alice Bell. I've been joined by N4T3-CR0. Uh, WLE7. <laughs> Remember to learn all that you can about frogs. And Robocook. <laughs> Dead or alive, I'm feeding you soup. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye bye. Bye.